is Chris, and welcome to Through the Never. Today we're going to talk about music and film and TV, and with me I have my friend Mitch. Say hi. Through the Never. Yeah, I too. Hi. How's it going? So, Mitch is my oldest friend. We've known each other for... Ever. Ever. Yeah. I, I'd have to um, do some serious math six, there. Sixth six grade? Seventh grade. Seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, grade, a long, uh, long time. Concert band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Long, long history of music and home movies and all that stuff. So, um, learned, yes. uh, learned our instruments together. Yes. Jamming so together. We, yeah. we started with music, but Mitch has always also been interested in acting and filmmaking and movies of every sort. So we've been a, a, a constant influence on each other from the, film side and from the music side so it's uh it's been great to uh have those those influences on each other and really kind of keep our um broaden our exposure to some different things so anyway i thought he was um, a good person to bring in to talk about the music part um of the film stuff so um well, thank you or music in general. I have my opinions on every yes. form of art. <laughs> so, um, Mitch has experience with acting mm-hmm. and making. I mean, obviously, um, I was around to see some of the early home-made kind of uh, bits and uh, participated in some of those as well. And so, I know it goes back to then. But you've also uh, been in a independent feature length and. Uh, uh, lots of theater stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Going on um, many, many years now. Um, uh, Chris really stuck with music. Um, music became more of a hobby um, for me uh, rather than a passion. Passion for me has always been film and uh, telling a story. I guess we're both storytellers in, in different ways. Right. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll just, uh, and sometimes I've, if you've ever seen my stuff before, uh, it's, I've gone by Mitchell Blankman and I've gone by Mitchell Stevenson. And I'm just going to go ahead and just put that out there because I haven't really settled on. Still trying to figure out who he is. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to find myself in this, uh, <laughs> in this world, as many artists do. Yeah, so um, there's a lot of, uh, obviously, connection between music and film so that's sort of the the stuff we wanted to talk about and i've got uh this article that i found that um kind of talks about some of the things that uh the the uses of music in films Hmm. and so i thought maybe you'd want to talk about this so um they've got it in different categories here like creating an atmosphere so obviously you did your homework. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to be prepared. <laughs> I, I, so I was so, told there would be no math. Yeah. So obviously <laughs> music can be used in different ways in film, TV. Mm-hmm. So creating an atmosphere. I mean, we all know that there's, there's different scenes that we've, we've, uh, we've watched where just the, the music itself creates that atmosphere, whether it's, um, gives you a sort of a dreaded gloomy, Halloween kind of feel 
or whether it's romantic or romantic. action and yeah. epic and so, scale. And... So you, you can do that with filters and you can do that with lighting and you can do that with facial expression. Tones. But, but, but when you have the music, that really makes a big impact there. So yeah. that was one of the things that yeah, I um, here. Well, a lot of – is there something that you want – No, keep yeah. going. Oh, okay. Uh, talk about that and I'll the, talk about it. Well, um, there's, there's like um, – you know, I, I had a I had a film review channel on on YouTube for a while. So I mean, I I did I've done a lot of review work rather than just, you know, oh who's this actor on here just talking about stuff. Um, but uh, and also I, I have you know been a director um, and uh, and writer. Went to film school as well. Yeah, went to film I, school. I, I yeah, failed so, to mention that there was some schooling involved. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess I'm giving myself an excuse to have an opinion. Um, but we all have every, opinions without an excuse. Yes, yes. Everything is subjective, of course. But uh, what I, you hear a lot of reviewers say, and is very common when it comes to music and film, and even filmmakers, is that the they they really some get really uh, upset at the overuse of music to create a mood. That through your shots or through the um, connection with your actors or the writing, should be your your connection with with the film and how invested you are. That they 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 talk about music like it's manipulation, like the score and the cues and places they're manipulating the audience to feel a certain way. Uh, take a, a horror movie when you um, have a jump out scare, and you and they just do some kind of loud sound that's not in the film it's actually part of the score it's you know uh go back to psycho and the the scene in the shower yeah um but you look back at that and that scene is actually looked at in film school as one of the most perfect scenes ever made period um and and the sound is brought up a lot and uh and this and the score which is just um I mean, that's a, a good thing, right? right, right. Well, it's, see, I'm, what I'm saying is very subjective because uh, people have some critics. They're just very auteurs talk about things like, "Oh, you should not be manipulating the audience with a sound effect or or a score or a sound just because this score is lovely and pretty." I'm not going to feel sad that this character is dying. I mean, you what? don't. And when you're writing a song, you are, and especially if you're performing something live, you're trying to control that audience experience. That the the goal there is mm -hmm. for you to lead them through a journey. And so, to me, the music that's that's doing that in a scene, it, it should be controlling those those emotions. And that's that's another thing. Too. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it, it 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 can be used to portray emotions. Yes, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Some critics and filmmakers alike get very they have a big opinion about the use of music okay but what's your opinion films. it's more it, important my <laughs> well <laughs> i was just pointing that out because a lot of people don't really th know that or think about that um so i try to see from both sides but i am a um 80s movie junkie that is my favorite period of film um so we're talking spielberg we're talking john williams and all of that and that is complete music manipulation but i don't think of it as manipulation i think of it as part of the art for me i love what music does in a film it's it's very very important to me i mean when when uh, elliot takes off with et in the basket 
and and you don't know if he's going to make it off this cliff and he just almost falls but then he picks up what john williams does in that moment is so crucial to that and what makes it so beautiful is the score does that take away from spielberg would you say okay because of that it's it's all john williams some critics would say yes for me it's a collaboration just like in a band you have different band members playing different instruments John Williams is playing one, Spielberg is playing another, the writer's it, playing another. It, it's a band forming one emotion. I get it. And what's funny is I have this thing that I was reading about psychology of music in movies, and they talk about the E.T. scene with the, with the bicycle. <laughs> yeah. Let me read this real quick. Um, this guy, Dr. Kendall, is talking about what he calls I- iconicity, um, a metaphoric match of where there are few extremely common types. One is a ramp, an increase or decrease in volume and or pitch to metaphorically parallel a camera zoom or fade or a plane taking off or landing or a bicycle rising into the air or landing as an E.T. In the final scene of the movie, Williams employs all the kinds of matches described in this post. Uh, Syntactic matching between bicycle pedaling and the beat of the music in the beginning of the scene Mm -hmm. and Intra-referential association between ET in, intra-referential. and in, intra-referential yes. association Word of the day, kids. between ET and his theme. So, like ET's his personal theme that's yes. happening, yeah. right? It's a and magic then, theme, yeah. And then the ramp icon that jumps up. So, like the ET theme, like actually can shift up in pitch as mm-hmm. he's going up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The speed of the pedaling has to do with the beat of the music. Mm-hmm. And there's like, there's all this kind of up. And I, I kind of, it just reminds me too. I went to. When they're, see, yeah, when they're getting ready, to, I'm sorry, when they're getting ready, uh, getting away from the cops and, and whatever, you have that. You have this thing that goes along with the pedaling. I get what he's saying there uh, perfectly. And you do pull up in volume because, I mean, I fell in love with movies from my father playing E.T. at, like, maximum volume level. Of, oh, I of, remember that theater the, space. The, the scene, <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a, yeah, had a really nice, um, yeah, my, that was very fortunate my, my father had a little, little theater. Um, but, uh, no, even as a kid, just that's where I fell in love with movies, is uh, that having the music all the way up. And E.T. is saying goodbye in the way that it's used. It is turned up, but it, that leads to a good point because there's other things like Hans Zimmer uh, with his ball. They always they talk about Hans Zimmer uses just a lot, a lot of just tones. And I love Hans Zimmer. Don't get me wrong. I, he's done a lot of great work. But most of what he's done with Christopher Nolan has been background tones. And those, I don't know if I necessarily, those are a little bit of a manipulation because he'll just uh, take the beginning of Dark Knight. Um, You have this long note that sounds like it's going up and louder and louder, but it's not. It's changing in pitch and it's becoming more and more. it's It's actually Joker's theme. And it's becoming. Okay, I was, say, is theme, I was, yeah, I was it, asking, is it, is it creating the atmosphere or is it actually making a comment on something? It, yeah, it's both. It's making the comment that something is uneasy. It makes you feel very uneasy. It has okay. all the razor blades in it. And it also is creating the environment that something's going down and something big is about to happen. And you don't know what. So it, cut, it creates anxiety that if you took it out, would not necessarily be there, 
That is why I can see what some critics are saying. But still, that's part of the art. So I'm fine with it. Yeah. I love it. Another thing they say it does is um, reference social, geographic, or cultural factors. So, like, you could hear a certain mm-hmm. theme and say, okay, well, this is... Uh, now we're in India. Yeah. 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 Right. So you can kind of Writers set of the tone for, mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. That's another good... Um, or it could reference a particular time period. We mm-hmm. all know this. Mm-hmm. And for me, mm-hmm. what stands Spaghetti out... Spaghetti Westerns. Well, what I, I'm actually thinking of... Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of Forrest Gump. You've got mm. the, the scene... The, the war scene and you've got mm-hmm. the fortunate son song. Yeah, well, that's and, that's uh, that's you, songs though. Yeah. That's a different thing. Yes, but but it does it does. I, I agree not, with you. I'm yeah. not just talking about score here. Right. So right. You can. Pull, I was yeah. I wasn't getting into that yet, but yeah. But I, well, we're just talking about all of it. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. All the audio there. So so you can have um, a song and you're like, oh, that's the '60s, mm-hmm. and like, oh, here's this song is a, a war protest song, and so like it really sets that atmosphere and that tone and honestly to this day i hear some of those songs and i think about forrest gump yeah before i think about you know credence or yeah. or the the artist yeah, yeah. oh yeah times. oh yeah or i think of because arby's they're, they're or something synonymous with that scene <laughs> i think of arby's or something a lot of times i'll hear a song arby's. and yeah well because i'll hear a song that's been on a commercial right. you know and then it completely ruins it every time i hear it on on 105 now the rock i want my baby back baby yeah <laughs> no no <laughs> no, yeah, but, Austin Powers? no no no, about... no no chilies and stuff like that. i mean no no like the on, on a, a tv commercial they'll use a lot of uh classic rock songs or a radio yeah. song and then i'll it'll tie to that forever for me and i'll be thinking about that but um no when it, when it used to when you're using songs like a, a lot of times it has it's the it's um the production companies it's money you know it, you got to get a soloist in there and everything and yes some things like if uh, you play credence you're in the 60s but i've noticed lately i think I, i've noticed lately in a lot of films even ones taking place today they're using music of any period and not trying to say oh we're you're in a different time the, the because first... it's 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 i think more people are listening to more music nowadays from past uh generations the, the first one that really stood out to me that did that and this is this is a, a deeper dive maybe but um was a knight's tale because you've got Knights. this oh yeah heath ledger film but yeah, so, so you, thing. Yeah, yeah so you've got this sort of comedy adventure movie but it's like it's medieval but you got mm. Queen songs. Yeah, and they, they were real songs. But I'll do you one better. Uh, Young Guns. Young Guns was really ahead of its time because of the use of its score was rock. They okay. used guitar and drums and stuff in a Western. And that, well, I mean, people were like crazy, going crazy about that. Now you look back and like, so what? But, but, it was but a big I think deal it then. worked. I yeah. think it worked. Oh, and, yeah. and, and really, like. Because you, when... you had the Brat. Brat. Brat Rat. You had the Brat Pack. In there, so I just I don't think it stood out that much at the time for for me. It did to them at that uh, in the eighties. We weren't there. How do you know? I'm just I'm just (laughs) on the the movies that I remember realizing Mm -hmm. that it was after the movie. I was like, you know what? That seemed like it should have been out of place, but it wasn't. But during the movie, I was just into it. Mm -hmm. I didn't it didn't really stand out. But then I think some of the more uh, fantasy type movies um, got away with that earlier. Or at least it wasn't as pronounced like a, a Queen of the Damned. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So still sort of mm-hmm. more of a period piece. Oh, one of it, my favorite soundtracks yeah. of well, all time. Because a, a better soundtrack than a film. And that happens 
I remember that being one of your favorites. And again, um, I think of them as two different things. There are soundtracks, and then there are soundtracks. There's scores, and then there are, like, an al- a, a, a movie will come out with a two album releases, and one will be songs that were featured in the movie, or songs that were featured and some score, like The Lion King, yeah, or uh, it'll be just songs and then a separate album of the score. Now... I was I think I was talking to you about this earlier today is like Top Gun is a great example of a very popular soundtrack that came out but the score in the film never was released on album on LP still to this day and that's disappointing because I love the score and I don't have to listen to Kenny Loggins hanging with the boys as you, much as I want to listen you, to the score in Top Gun You know what's funny is I've actually gone to look for the soundtrack, this is a long time ago, and I don't remember which one it was now, but I remember going to look, this is back when you could get CDs in stores, and I went to look at one, and all I could find, all I could find was the score, and it pissed me off, Dating because I was actually looking for the, the songs. Um, I have a list here that was put out last December of the top 20 soundtracks, um, and I wanted to You can to... still find CDs in some... Yeah, okay. This Occasionally. Is the, this is... Put out by. This is the top. What I'm sorry. This is this is this is from the website Mental Floss. Um, of course. The 20 best-selling movie soundtracks of all time. So this is best-selling soundtracks. Mm, okay. And I'm I'm gonna run through them quickly unless mm-hmm. you want to really comment. Number 20 is Evita. It sold five million. That's a that's low. A, that's a Madonna. The low 20. I know what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. the low 20. Yes, it's the number 20. Okay. Um, that was in '96. Number 19 is The Jazz Singer from 1980. Sold 5 million. What, Neil the, Diamond. Neil Diamond? Yes, yeah. that's uh, actually, that's phenomenal. I'm, I'm not going to comment on each one. Sorry. No, that, no that's, you can. Make no, a quick comment. No, that's no, no, that's, that's, that's uh, 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 that movie and soundtrack is a, is a formidable movie on who I am as a person just because I am, I am all, a compilation of all the movies that my mother and father showed us growing up. Okay. So that was one of those movies? That's one of those movies, okay. which is a remake of the very first talkie, the very first film with actual actors talking, remade right. with Neil Diamond. So number 18 is City of Angels. I remember you having the soundtrack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know, I mean, oh, yeah. Google Dolls had a big Alanis hit on that. Morissette. Alanis Morissette was uh-huh, on that one. Absolutely. So that's one that I remember, although yeah. I don't remember the movie that well. Oh, I like the movie. I saw it once, yeah. but it was a big deal meg of ryan yeah so number 17 was the big chill from 1983 <laughs> yeah yeah okay it's it's the fifth yeah biggest motown album of all time yeah so yeah sold I, six I, million. Believe, I believe it yeah well it was featured I in, don't, in the movie too. It, it doesn't yeah yeah so number 16 was it, space jam <laughs> and you know uh, because sold, of one song it sold six million because, because i believe i can song. fly from from that, from from that, from that sicko yeah, Clark Kelly. That, that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh gosh! Do you know it's not selling anymore? Would it be bad to Just say saying. if I had to go pee right now? <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not. So number fifteen, Flashdance. Okay. Six yeah, million. I gotta fly. Maniac was a big hit. So yeah, yeah. was that that? Yes, Maniac. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Although um, I've the, never seen Flashdance. The I've neither. <laughs> The lyrics. I it love, says here I the, love 80s. It's so bad. I've never actually seen all of Flashdance. The lyrics were re- rewritten for some reason. Anyway, number hmm. 14 was Pure Country. 
Do you have a cover of that? No. Pure Country. I'm uh, is that the sure Luke? that was like the cowboy movie. Is that Luke that? Perry? Um, it was like a rodeo. Yeah, movie? rodeo. Luke Perry. I think that's it? it. There's no picture here, but I, oh, I think that's it. Know. Okay. Um, it the movie only made 15 million, but it sold six million. Soundtracks. It must have had a single on it. See, that's what I'm saying. This if it pushes a single, like the Con Air, might be yeah. on because that song was big. Which, which that, song the Leanne the Leanne Rhymes slash what's her face? They recorded the same song, and it was a battle to get what's her face the song that on there. Should be uh, a... um. Oh, that should be like a female rapper name. What's yeah. her face? If anyone could call in right now and yeah, let us call, know, call, call in. <laughs> Line's open. Yeah, line's open. Call us. Let us know what that number song's thirteen from. is. Little Mermaid. Mm. I mean, undeniably, that has hits on it. Oh gosh, for sure. Yeah. In fact, started yeah, Disney's Renaissance. I, I have a little girl, and we listen to those songs pretty regularly oh, right here. Well, I remember you telling me when I was playing you. Uh, uh, Jonathan Young, who uh, does a lot of metal covers of Disney songs, did that that uh, he d- he was doing Under the Sea, and you said uh, we had listened to that. Yeah, I played it for you, and you I remember your phrase, and I remember it every time I listen to the song. Is that, oh yeah, that's actually a really well made song. Like it is a really well made yeah. song. It's it's very catchy. It's very well put together. That uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, <laughs> number twelve, Waiting to Exhale, sold seven million. <laughs> Shoop, is that on there? Yeah. Oh, that movie. Okay, yeah. Shoop. Okay, who was that? Who sang that song? Uh, that was um Whitney Houston. Oh, is that okay? Yeah. I was gonna say that was that. Pretty group. sure. Not not Destiny's Child, but the ones before no. them. Yeah. Salt and Pepper. No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure it was Whitney Houston and Chasing Apparently, um, Babyface wrote it. So, oh. Okay. Anyway. Uh, number eleven is Greece. Big surprise. Eight, no, okay. eight million there. Eleven. That's surprising. Um, it is the second highest grossing musical of all time, beaten only by 2017's Beauty and the Beast. Hmm. St- stands up to stands up today. Uh, yeah. Uh, Greece does anyway. And, it's and still still entertaining when I, I watch it on TV. I have something I wanted to ask you about. I'm so it. glad that Travolta has, has kept his career going as long as he has. <laughs> I, I, let's come back to Greece later. I had something I want to ask you about. Yes, that. let's do. Um, <laughs> that's, I've never said that before in my life, but actually, it's in my notes here. I wanted to ask you about about it uh, for a particular reason. Okay, number ten, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which I never watched. Um, a lot of people liked it. I heard a song and I thought it was terrible, and never watched the movie. Love the song. Love the. I love the soundtrack. It was, it's love not. The movie. It's not for me. But you know what? Hated I, it the first time I saw it. Well, here's the thing. Now I like it. It's one of those songs where I don't like the song, but if I had seen the movie, the song may be totally different to me. Well, see, you don't like bluegrass. I like as much. I like bluegrass. I'm not, yeah, I'm not into bluegrass. I, I, I re- those those uh, players are I am, man. Those players are amazing, Constant and I can sorrow. I could I could watch that and like I can enjoy it live, but I can't just listen to it. But remember that time everybody thought that uh, George Clooney sang that song for a long time. Uh, it was no. a big. It was a big deal. Well, it sold eight million copies. Hmm. Number nine is Top Gun. <laughs> sold nine million. I know Titanic is coming up. It's it, got to be it in the is. top it's five. On, it's it's in here. Yeah. So. Let me try to think. Let so, me try to think. So which is one. it is it Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone? Is that the the Danger Zone? Definitely. Um, there's Hanging with the Boys, which I thought was no. Kenny Loggins. Well, what was the there was a, the romantic songs in there too? Oh, Berlin. Uh, yeah. Um, dun 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 dun. Uh, yeah. yeah, Colors. What's the name of that song? It's uh, I, I'll take my breath away by yeah. Berlin. 
one hit wonder. Yeah. Didn't they have a Righteous Brothers tune in that movie too? That's yes. Yeah. They, yeah. So well, that, it was a bunch of hits. Yeah. She said. Yeah, well, they sang it in that. In that song. Oh, they sang it in the bar. They sang it in the bar. Yeah, okay. It's a classic scene. And if anyone are you excited has, about the has, about the sequel? Uh, yes, I am. If anyone has anything to say about Tom Cruise, I'm going to say right now. I love Tom Cruise as an artist. Um, now, it, that's loosely as an artist, as an actor, as a person, he's probably whacked out of his gourd. But I can separate it's the artist from the actor. But just because he's whacked out or whatever you read about, science, whatever, does not mean that you should take away from his art. You know. So I brought that up earlier. That's why I can still love Michael Jackson and not watch the documentary because I don't choose to because. I don't need to know all that. Yeah, I, I had. I don't to, need to feel that's like that's been a big conversation. It's like it's baby like, dicks just coming at my face the whole time. Like, I don't want to just. I don't. I, you know, I. I th- that's been a discussion. It's like, well, do you listen to Michael Jackson? Do you let your kids? Do you let your kids watch the Cosby Show? There, there, there's, there, there's, 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 there's these conversations are are, are, are happening. And, Why? And here's, here, here's how does what, that have anything? I, I'm just saying, like. It's the same concept. Of yeah, no, I, I get it. I, just, why, I get that you're telling me that that's happening. I just don't get why. That What has that has to do with anything? I mean, that your kid is watching, listening to Michael Jackson. That I, I don't have a problem how, with it. Yeah, how does that I, make I'm any difference from a, before? That's a, that's a thing. So, um, I don't know. You're talking about I mean, would you, listen, would you let your, kid, uh, your daughter listen to uh, Michael Jackson? Yeah. Okay. Or watch the Cosby Show. Probably. I, why? Why? Why would you hesitate? Because I, I barely ever saw the Cosby Show, so I don't really have a. Is it because that it's, once it's your just, child I, it was grows never it was up, never on yeah. for me? Like, well, it, is, I'm just thinking from the parents' point of view, and we are in the South here. Um, when they grow up, conceptually, I have no issue with it. Yeah, is it because when they grow up, they find out what they did and stuff, and that messes yeah, them up well, somewhat? No, I, or the reason I think this has been like a social media. Uh, kind of discussion lately is because people are feeling like other people are going to judge them if that's on at their house. See, people just, really don't care that much. People caring about other people. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, it's yeah. It's like youth groups going like, Hey, did you hear Jenny like stay the whole night over at Tim's house? Oh my God. Let's, let's pray for them. <laughs> it's like, yeah. did you, did you go over there? They were watching the Cosby show. No. With daughter right there, yeah. Oh my god, and listen to Michael Jackson too. Oh my god, yes, she's wearing one glove. <gasps> yeah. Well, uh, I mean, and it, it's funny because we come up from a time where it's like, um, parents are whispering, "Did you know that I caught, I I found a CD of Marilyn Manson, yeah, <laughs> in his room. Can you believe that?" I think, pretty sure. <laughs> I, th- I think he's gay. I think he's 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 hanging himself he, in his he closet. Had, he had this makeup, and I think he was putting it on his face. And, and <laughs> was putting it. He had this makeup, and I think he was putting it. Like that's the point. Like that's the bad thing. It was on his face. Like I found this makeup anywhere else. Like if it was just under his eyes for football, it'd be right, one let's, thing. Let's get back to this. <laughs> right, number eight is Footloose. Nine million, of course, obviously. Eight only. Oh. Yeah, number eight. Mm. Number seven is the original Lion King soundtrack. Oh, good, good. I hope the new one's not on there at all. We can talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Number six, Titanic. Eleven million. Six. Number wow, six. Wow, that's surprising. It's not higher. Hmm. 
I was just everywhere. Celine Dion told Billboard that when she was recording My Heart Will Go On, her thoughts were, sing the song, then get the heck out of here. So I, I, I don't really she, know what to do I, with that, Chris. I don't either. <laughs> that quote was, was written right here. I'm going to get out of here. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, she wasn't putting much into it, but it has made her a lot of money, I'm sure. She reaches up and she pulls it down. So number five is Dirty Dancing. Oh, yes. Golly. See, now that and the jazz singer wore out. My brother and I, he still does not remember this. We would get up on my parents' bed, and um, they weren't there. And (laughs) we would put in those albums and sing like we're in concert, like we're on stage all the time. You know, we make like little fake instruments out of wire, like hangers and things like that. And we would do that, and we would... Uh, um, it is the movies we were reenacting the movies but also and I think he, my brother was just there because I was making him but <laughs> but I mean that was that. yeah so I mean that in a way had a big effect on me because movies and music um, that made me want to get on stage and entertain in that way is seeing what they were doing that on stage in those things in those you know Dirty Dancing just had um, that is just honestly that's up there with Forrest Gump. I mean, it doesn't matter. I I will hold on to my my mail card all day long and say Dirty Dancing is a fine soundtrack because it it has just a lot of really great to- songs uh, no. from that era. Now they have some songs that were made for the movie that are kind of cheesy, but there's a lot of songs on there that because I, th- I think it took place in what the sixties. There's a lot of like doo wops. Right, I don't, I don't know when the movie was the setting, but the movie in came the out in 1987. Still of the night, but, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know enough about that soundtrack. I don't know what songs are on it, so I can't speak on that. But mm. yeah. number four is Forrest Gump. So oh, wow. and that's 12 million. Mm. And um, funny, I said that right before. That. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, yeah. I almost, Those I almost together. jumped in there, no. but I was like, I was letting you finish. Number three is Purple Rain. Thirteen million. Never heard it. Never seen the film. Really? Yeah. I. I. You've heard uh, the. You've heard the song. Yes, once or twice, but not as not to nauseum. And and then I don't know if it is a cultural thing. I think it possibly is. I I mean, there's there's a bit of that. The love for uh for Prince, but Prince and Michael Jackson were kind of side by side for a lot of people, and I didn't know that until after Prince was gone, and then suddenly it's just like Prince. You know, and and the Super Bowl and everything like that. And that was an amazing. Super oh, it was Bowl amazing. Fans. It was ama- It makes me want to go back and listen to Prince, but because I didn't grow up with it, I don't have that connection. If I would never listen to Michael Jackson and went back and listened to it today, I probably would not have nearly the enjoyment out of it as I do because I grew up with it when it was new. Yeah. You know, especially the Dangerous album, Thriller. I was a little too young for, but okay. know, Jam. He did that song that video with Michael ja- Michael Jordan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So number two is Saturday Night Fever, mm-hmm. and number one Makes is sense. the Bodyguard. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, that had a huge, yeah. huge yeah. hit. See, you know, you notice a lot of these are based on one song. Yeah, eighteen million mostly. You know, Dolly Parton made a shit ton of money on that. Oh yeah, yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. Hers is good. Hers is really good. It just doesn't have that Whitney Houston. Boom, and I, you know, it goes crazy. <laughs> You know, Elvis Presley originally wanted to record that song when Dolly wrote it, but they wanted that. half of the publishing rights, and Dolly Parton refused because she's a badass. 
Yes. <laughs> and then later she commented that when Whitney Houston's version came out, she made enough money to buy Graceland. <laughs> <laughs> I love Dolly Parton. Yeah, she's, uh, she's, say, yeah. I love Dolly Parton. Yeah, she's funny. Y'all, you, you saw her. Like, you I did witnessed see her. her not too long ago. <laughs> you witnessed her. I don't know what she did, so yeah. that's how I put we, it. We were... Like, I ran into Nicole Kidman, so I say I witnessed her. <laughs> yeah. We were at Dollywood at one point, and she made an appearance. So mm. That was that was sort of neat. I mean, it was... I've never been moment. there. Been to um, Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge thousands of times. Never been to Dollywood. So what's your? So what was number one? That was that was that was bodyguard. bodyguard. So what? What's bodyguard. your favorite soundtrack? I remember some of the ones you had, but well, I mean, City of Angels comes to mind, but I mean, Varsity Blues was a big one. Um, I know what you did last summer was a really big one. Um, I remember you Scream. Some, the, I was gonna say the Scream one. Uh, Spawn. Spawn was a good one. I'll tell you a that couple. Had Kirk Hammett. On yeah. It. Yeah. So. Well, is that the only Kirk Hammett solo song? Uh, well, it was featuring Kirk Hammett. I don't think it was under his name directly. Oh, well, that's the only reason people listen to it. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, being around you during that time, I was encouraged to check out soundtracks. It's not something that was on my radar. My parents never really got into them, so I didn't have that. Well, bro, I was listening to just pretty much Meatloaf and Beach Boys until you came around. And Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you came around... And this guy comes around with uh, uh, Alice in Chains and Nirvana, and I believe at that time all it this was time like, was going on it, Green Day. It's like and stuff. Silver Chair. Yes, yeah, so, well, Silver Chair were well, Silver Chair were huge, and Collective Soul. But I, you could not get me for the life of me into Metallica. I was like, I just could not get it, and you were just really pushing it on me. And it was Master of Puppets. And you were like, that was the album that you were trying to push on me. And I was living um, at that that uh, that uh, smaller that that rental yeah. house, yeah. and uh, in high school. And um, I had a little, I had a room above the garage, um, and you gave me that album. You said it, you said it so unwanted. I lived out in the room over the garage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they brought me my food by night, um, <laughs> but. Uh, no, I, I you brought, you gave me that album and, and and just said like you gotta listen to it, you gotta listen to it. It was the song Orion that that yep. changed music for me completely and changes then, lives that song. Oh yes, but then <laughs> then I and fell in love with the entire album and to this day my favorite band of all time. I mean, um, you know, and that's solidified our friendship too a lot. It's just I mean, I mean all other bands too like Silverchair especially because without them I don't think we would have learned our instruments. Yeah. <laughs> that was <laughs> they were easy enough. Yeah. You know, and the Metallica was the upper upper step and then maybe Rammstein, but um so so but you were influenced on me to, to actually to look into soundtracks. soundtracks. And so I remember I I remember getting the the first Spider-Man soundtrack. It had some good tunes on it. I don't remember. And the Scorpion King soundtrack had a lot of oh. rock songs on it. Um, but I, I started like just picking ones that I, even if I didn't know the movie, I just started looking at soundtracks and finding a bunch of, of songs from bands that I liked that those songs weren't on their albums. So I was, I was like looking at it as like bonus material. They, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, more, um, more so Silver than Chair on the Godzilla soundtrack was better yeah, than the I Godzilla the film, I the Matthew Broderick one. I remember you had that Silver Chair, too, yeah, that soundtrack. Because Stevens, um, a friend of ours, brother was really in Silver Chair and turned us on to him. Kind of, oh, you knew mm, him. No, I, I brought him in. Uh, okay, 
Well, uh, I, I had a neighbor a long time ago that showed me that, okay. and then I brought it into you. Okay. We actually, I don't know if you remember this, we were on a, a field trip in school, and I had like yeah. a cassette, like Walkman. Like, <laughs> I, I owe and, so and much I had... cool points of my life to, to Chris. I would be lost well, today. Who knows? You know, I may, I may have had some creative influence, but... You, you, you I directed had, you on some things. Yeah, I, well, you you had a social influence yeah. that I needed at the time. So yeah, yeah, and, and you never would have made um, your own little short films if it wasn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you, okay. Whatever. <laughs> we used to make a lot of little funny, uh, just parody videos and yeah. stuff. Uh, I was doing a Bohemian Rhapsody as um, Freddie Mercury and dancing around and stuff, and Chris yeah. just in the background playing guitar. Yeah. Oh, and lasagna. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird Al Yankovic. I would have never have known about Weird Al if him. Yeah, that's a great comedy. But but back to what we were saying is though we're we're pro- pretty much focusing on the 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 money side of of um a lot of those songs are not chosen by the director. They usually they're picked out by the pro- the uh, production studio. Uh, back then, especially in the '90s. Um, all those that I've mentioned, Varsity Blues, those teen films. Right. We got this song. I mean, especially if an artist recorded a song for a thing, they had an obligation. The director had to kind of battle with producers to put it in somewhere unless it was something that they really wanted, like um, the Berlin song um, for, um, for Top Gun. That was something that uh, Tony Scott, um, who's not with us anymore, the director, right. wanted because it did work very well with the... Um, the the um I call it the shadow kissing uh, scene because there's there, the shadows and you can and it's just like it's silhouette yeah. silhouettes and the, it's just all Tom Cruise's tongue and, it, and it's just their tongues it's just like I could just imagine him off camera saying like I want more tongue let's do another take a little more tongue I can't see it yeah. um <laughs> and uh, <laughs> look at that Gene Simmons stand in yeah <laughs> but um uh yeah but no, no that happens but then like look at like John Hughes. He's one of my favorites, absolutely, of the '80s and stuff. He was huge music lover, and he would he would put stuff in of bands that you would have never heard of, and a lot of this stuff did not make the soundtracks because they were not popular bands. Okay, well let me let me t- also mention sometime about the financial part, and this this comes from my music business experience. The budget for the music part in a film making budget is really small. So to license that music too is always a concern. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot more music licensing that happens in the actual trailers than in the film itself. Mm-hmm. Here's a great example. Mm-hmm. When Iron Man came out, mm-hmm. how can you make that movie and not have Black Sabbath Iron Man? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like you that's had, weird. Well, they you did. Had, well, hold on. They did you, in the, the you, end. The, I think it was, it was over the credits, but it was yeah. never synced what you call synchronization um, with any visual in the movie that costs more money. However, it was in the trailer and that got Mm -hmm. everybody's attention. Well, you know why? Because the trailer music comes out of the advertising budget, Mm -hmm. not out of the film music budget. So, so what happens is in the trailers, they go to far lengths to spend money to license. And you know that Black Sabbath, whoever owns the rights to Iron Man specifically, they get to pick. Sharon. Yeah. <laughs> they get to pick how much is paid for that. Like, that's negotiated. Yeah. It's not It's not a, a, a stat rate. That is, that is negotiated. 
And so they can charge top dollar because how are you not going to have that song for the movie? They're going to pay whatever it takes. So, well, th- those. But in the uh, movie itself, they have to get cheaper songs, or they find people that really want their song in the movie and will will almost give it away. Let me see if I can. Uh, well, what was interesting when you bring up Iron Man is that first movie had if I if I can find his name um, had excellent score to it it had a very and and this is leads me to talk about um um like where music is going uh in film i can't find his name on imdb very well but quickly but anyway um i think he went on um it's the guy who ended up doing um game of thrones actually but uh it's uh, you you want to look for the the movie guy the music yeah the guy who composed the cuz the score in the first iron man is Yes. Okay. It's uh, Ramen. I'm not even going to say it. I'm Ramen too dry. Dejwadi. Ramen Dejwadi. I'm pretty sure that's the uh, guy that did Ramin? Ramin, maybe? Maybe. But um, he, look, I don't think he's on for the second one. The second one had a different Here, let me, take. I can just look at his stuff. The, the had, had a different take. The first one had a clear Iron Man theme. He's from Germany. That was really, really good. And it had this very, like, it was there was drums and there was guitar and stuff in, in there. And it wasn't just a classical, you he know. Does, he does stuff for uh, video games as well. I didn't know if you knew that. He, um, he, in the first Iron Man movie, there was just, you know, when he first gets in the suit and, and the camera is coming up the leg and around him and everything, the first time you see him in the right. suit and yeah. all of the parts are moving and everything, and then it comes down on his face, that famous scene, there's this da 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 Yeah, that's cool. That score. And before, like, you would not think of that as score. You would think that's an awesome, like, song. And... Maybe. So really, what's the difference between a song and a score? You know, so when you're looking at it, like, well, I mean, look at Trent Reznor. He changed the game with social network. Now, after that, everyone wanted a like a DJ. Tron Legacy was a huge soundtrack. Uh, When I went to film school, everyone was all about Tron Legacy, especially the soundtrack, because it was uh, the the Matrix have a soundtrack that was kind of. No, they had. They had um, no. They had songs. They had score, but well, I it think was forgettable. I think as far as, about, as as far as defining the difference between a song and a score and like a song would just be whether or not you were releasing it separately. Well, my dad asked. You know I mean? I, well, my he, I, I get this question asked of me sometimes. What is the difference between a theme and a score? And I think you know the answer to that. A score yeah. is a, a theme is going to be an actual melody. A score is like an orchestra. A scheme is a, a score is 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 in the entire you know you would say Beethoven's fifth. You right. know it's the entire thing. It's the suite or whatever. Right. So there is the ET suite. There's you know there there's the whole that's the whole whole thing, which is basically the score soundtrack. If you don't have any stops, it just keeps going. The theme is something that reoccurs now and then. It might be three notes or something that just reminds you of a character. Here's a good one. In Lord of the Rings, every time they talk about the Shire, there's yeah. this, oh, there's yeah. this theme. And uh-huh. so anytime they're like, Which is oh, my favorite part. Oh, this is my favorite part of that This score. is the time of the strawberries and cream. And then <laughs> yeah. and then you hear yeah. that you hear that and, and every time you're like, Oh back, Sam, in, the, back Sam, in the Shire. Sam, think of when we were in the Shire together. Catching fish. 
and drinking mead. So that is the the Shire theme, and so it doesn't matter mm-hmm. where they are; they hit that theme, and, and you are brought back. Yeah. yeah. Would you say that that is manipulation, or would you th- say that is just I, part of the art? I, you know, you're saying manipulation like it's a negative thing. I think it's a positive thing in in this realm. In when you're talking mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. in the movie. I think it is manipulation, but I think it's a good manipulation. If it's positive, I guess you wouldn't call it manipulation. No, no. Manipulation doesn't have to have a negative connotation, is my point. Hmm. I guess. I guess so. Yeah. I, it, well, mm. when I was talking about music earlier, I talked about like controlling the audience. It's control. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can call it manipulation, and you're trying to make it sound negative. Yeah, you that, can't control any audience. You know, So that's that well, whole point. Well, you talk about... No, you talk about audience control. You, you talk about... Unless you have people who are just, just passing out. No, no, no. And stuff. When Control, they did, when okay. they, no, when they did Exorcist, they put in subliminal flashes in the theater when on the original release. You can still right. see them, a couple of them. Um, but they were, you could not tell that they were there. And that's how they made people throw up and pass out. Yeah. And it was a true, that's what they, and that is, in my opinion, foul manipulation because it's not something that you it is trickery okay no no i I would agree with you on that yeah but what i'm saying is control let's say you you're in a rock band and you're you're hit you're in the middle of the song and there's a solo break and the guitarist starting to wail you got you put a spotlight on that guy and the other guys in the band back up and the whole point of that movement is to make people look at that one guy so that we can influence how powerful that part of the song is that's control mm-hmm. all right that's mm-hmm. manipulating the audience's attention mm-hmm. but it's not a bad mm-hmm. thing it's steering them in a direction yeah. so so when you're talking about steering you're in a film them, yeah. and you've got music there and you're trying to make them feel an emotion mm-hmm. or make them throw up in their seat mm-hmm. whatever <laughs> that's manipulation but it's uh, a good it's a good point because a lot of uh it's not stand- bad. well yeah yeah a lot of stand-up comedies uh, uh comedians talk about if if you lose the audience, um, you're dead. You you have to have control over the audience in a way. Because magicians you, are the best at this. Yeah, if you lose control of the audience, then you've lost control of the show. You know, and and um, I'm learning a lot. There's a lot of things that happen in life. Even when sometimes someone calls, you might be on the phone with like say a lawyer or something. If they lose control of the conversation it's not going to go the way that they called with that intention, you know? So therefore same thing goes with, with art, you know, with film, if you lose the audience, but with film, you're not, it's not like, it's not like people, a band playing on stage. It's not like theater. It's not immediate. It is something pre-done and put out there. I mean, the filmmakers are not there when the audience are viewing it. So it becomes this, you got to just leave it and, and, hope that it's going to hold people and it's going to steer people in the right way and they're not going to want to get up and go to the bathroom that they're just going to you know destroy their bladders to get through the whole scene the whole film because they're that gripped into it and some people just don't give a flying flip about films as much you know and they and they don't they don't they don't care or they'll talk through the movie or whatever you know it's not as important to them but the filmmakers it it, it believe it or not right now is kind of a dangerous time for theaters in film, it's it's they're having trouble because of all of the social. I mean, I mean all of the uh, streaming services, and that that's a different topic. But it's true. What's interesting that you you're talking about how they have to think ahead on that because they don't have that. Inst- like a comedian is working the crowd, they'll write their stuff, but they're really feeding on it and changing. 
Now with the with the musician, you're talking about like a band. If also if they're the songwriters, they're writing that stuff ahead, hoping that it connects. But they do have the option to kind of change it up a bit live, or they can kind of move into something else. Or, or but it's a lot like theater, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah. Now, what I was saying about mag- magicians earlier is you're talking about control. They have to really manipulate people's attention because they want them to look at their decoy so that they can pull the trick mm-hmm. out of sight. Diversion. So yeah, it's all about control and the diversion. The pretty girl, yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> the pretty girl is the one using the saw to cut the other person supposedly in half. Yeah, so you don't see. That's yeah, right. you're you're looking at yeah. You're looking at that, the eye candy. Um, are we allowed to say that in this Me Too, mit, Me Too movement atmosphere? <laughs> looking I, at the girl. No, look at the girl thing, you, you, magician. Girl or guy, I guess, if it would, was a female it, magician. I, just to you make just said eye candy. doesn't have to be <laughs> gendered. Yeah, well, we said look at the girl, though. You know, well, Typically, that's how it is. The, but... the Me Too movement is something that, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're men, so we can't have an opinion on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Yeah. So, but but I, I will say that there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of casting of directors and actors based on political agenda nowadays than on skill. Okay, that's I, that's how I, I, I want to talk that. about something. I, okay, so that's yes. and and characters this, too. This is connected, and this wasn't on my my prepared list, but um, no. I was just thinking oh. <laughs> this is, and I don't want to get into a whole discussion about how you feel about the new Aladdin because that could go deep. But but there was a because I think we have different opinions on that. No, no, I liked it. Okay. Anyway, there was a controversy when that film was cast. What do you think about this whole discussion about uh, this real push to try to be forced to cast roles for exactly um, like the. ethnicity and whatever that they were written for okay do you know what i mean okay. not, not basically not just cast on not just on, not on, gender. on skill yeah. but cast on oh well this this person this this character is canadian so yeah. we have to have a canadian <laughs> you know usually it's not that because like, that's going to make a big difference no. but um <laughs> I, I was trying to be nice there but sorry canadia yeah. uh, uh no canadia. but well look at like okay lion king has a african-american cast the yes. new one all right yes um jeremy irons because it's set in africa right yes with fucking animals okay <laughs> not it people it does not matter not, doesn't matter okay so jeremy irons to me in my opinion and i'm not alone is as integral and and it to the original lion king as james earl jones and they got james earl jones because who else could play mufasa thank god we got james earl jones Great, great. Oh, and he's black. I mean, I, hey. I, listen, it, what I read was, uh, and I don't know if it was the director or the music, whoever, but what black I... Black Panther threw one of the whitest guys in that film. Yeah. It's still <laughs> loved by the African. And, I, I, and I'm, not, I'm not racist at all. It's not about that. It's just the fact that they are just out of that agenda. Oh, look, we got all African Americans in this. But... Chieto Ertifo, I can't say his name, who did Scar, just sorry, but not nearly as good of a performance. And Jeremy and, and James Earl Jones seemed to be kind of sleeping. It wasn't the same delivery. Okay. Well, you needed, you, and, and it doesn't matter that he's British. 
Jeremy Irons brought this sinister, real but scarness I, I, to it. I will agree that... And I'll never watch the new one again, because the only thing I liked about it, to tell you the truth, was Seth Rogen's um, ad-libs. Yeah. So I love I, Seth Rogen, but other than that... I, I liked... Lion King, Aladdin was okay, was okay. I, but no. Okay, well, I, I agree with you. Jeremy Irons had the right voice. It, it was iconic and epic for that part. Now, what I read was they said that they were trying to kind of revamp all that, but they wanted to keep some small piece that connected it for people, and that ended up being James Earl Jones. So, I don't know. And it would have been too much. Uh, that's that's the impression that I had from reading that. I would love to sit down with John Favreau and the director, yeah, and and have an honest conversation. Not a not a tell you know just an honest like I would love to hear his real opinions upon making that film. I get the feeling that it was rushed. I get the feeling that he was made to do a lot of things. That he had a lot more artistic freedom with Jungle Book, and I think it shows. Maybe so, but I also feel like there's a lot more expectation for doing things a certain way with the Lion King jungle book. I think there's less, I don't know. I don't think there was specific expectations. I think it was, Hey, let's see if we can try to make something that looks visually awesome. And it, and it turned out good. But even after that, when I heard that they were doing the Lion King, I was like, how, how is that going to look? How is that going to work? Is it going to be believable? And for the first few minutes you're watching that film, you're you're sort of like not wanting to buy into it but once you kind of let that go and and i saw it in 3d so i don't know if that makes a difference too but it took me a few minutes to kind of lose that and i don't know the technical term for it where you uh uh, suspension of disbelief or something does that sound right where like you're watching a film and and at some point you forget you're watching a film and you're just involved like Mm mm-hmm it took it's me, doing its job. It took me a little bit longer to fall into that one yeah, because of the visual. But once oh. I did, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But anyway, that... that Visually, it was stunning. But uh, the, the question was, was really about the casting. So Yeah, the, but that, the, 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 the muscle, they made all of the animal animals photorealistic. And it's amazing what we can do with the computers. But they made all of their muscles work in their faces to express and emote only what an animal can do. And a lion cannot smile and laugh and sing like a cartoon. And the excuse for that, I think, is stupid, because if you look at, like, Planet of the Apes, you know, what Matt Reeves did with Planet of the Apes movies, um, uh, Return of the Planet of the Apes, all those with um, Andy Serkis, you could see their emotions and get with the characters, which you could not do in this new one. You you lost sight of it because it was you're just looking at the pretties, you're looking at the pretty visuals, you know. And a lot of people that's their complaint about 3D is like uh, five minutes into it, I forget that I'm watching 3D. But if it's done right, like say in like Avatar, which I absolutely love, one of my favorite experiences ever um, in IMAX, especially because if you go to a normal theater, it's actually going to be in a different format. But if you saw in the format that it was meant to, and with that 3D you do not forget that it's 3D, and you are immersed in that. Did you ever listen to that soundtrack? Yeah, I love that soundtrack. I, I would be curious. That was one of the last that he did. I was, I'd, I'd be curious he to hear that. He passed James Horner. It's James Horner? Okay. Yeah. 
I, I didn't remember who did that. Yeah. He, he but put, I remember that being not just visually epic, but I remember the sound being really cool too. Yeah, the, the music in that is really interesting because he puts um, Native American, not, like Native type of tribal sounds and drums and things right. for the, the Navi, the Native characters. But then also has this underlying um, futuristic, uh, very electric, electronic sounds that go along with the human side of things. Mix that all together with an orchestral sound score. So it's very well thought out. Rather than say like, look at like the, the It movie, It Chapter 1 and 2 that we just had coming out. Can you remember the music? No, I don't. No. Can you, but when you think about it, you think about maybe that sound, like there's tones. Yeah. Right. Now, that's not music or what, what that's subjective, you know, what's art, it's art. I think it would be included with score maybe, but. That's like sound effects, but it's not. But you're not going to go listen to it. It's not an effect. It's not an effect that exists in the world they're in. Those characters do not hear that sound. Therefore, but you do. So therefore, that is a score. So similar to what Zimmer did with those movies, uh, with with all his uh, Christopher Nolan movies, but those are just tones to evoke a certain sound, a well, certain feeling. You know, when it's something supposed happens. to creep you out, and that, yeah, yeah, it's sort of like the. But can you remember? And you're like waiting for like a jump scare or something. So it's almost a theme, because when you hear that, you know, the kids laughing and stuff, it's this these sounds. You know, they do, but can you remember yeah. the score? But if you watch something like Dance with the Wolves, The Abyss, um, Las Mohicans, um, Glory, uh, uh, Gangs of New York, you know, some of these things you want and you're like, can you uh, remember the score? Uh, yes, you can. I'll tell you what, um, you know, I'm always, yes, there's there's some where the score really stands out. I mean. Uh, Is that a good thing or bad? No, like Braveheart. And, oh, gosh. Yeah. But, so that's James Horner, too. Yeah. But oh, but man. for me, it's, it's usually it's usually the songs. Um, and like I mentioned, Forrest Gump earlier, when I hear the song, I think about the scenes. And um, oh shoot, there was one in particular I was gonna bring up, and I just lost it. You were talking about you mentioned some. Oh, uh, Tarantino. <laughs> I was going to bring up Tarantino, Tarantino because because Tarantino's films always have he's got really a good way of picking the right songs. Uh, mm-hmm. Shut me down, bang bang. Mm-hmm. You know he's mm-hmm. he's got these these songs that are like would normally be out of place, mm-hmm. but he puts them in in a, in a way that really um, really stands out and and yeah well, kind I... of gets your attention and makes you uncomfortable, but it's supposed to do that. Yeah, we I agree. But when we're talking about Tarantino, we're talking about something different. A whole new level. Well, we it, it is really different than like when we're saying you it's know not ni- traditional nineties directors right. and stuff like people who you know production companies trying to get your certain songs in there and everything. Tarantino is like an actor that you go see his their movies because he's in it. That's it. You go see a Tarantino film because it's a Tarantino film. Some people might go see something because Brad Pitt and DiCaprio are in it together. But Tarantino writes his own ticket, and he sells. Therefore, he can write his own ticket. He can do whatever he wants. John Hughes was similar. That's why a lot of songs make him in there, 70s stuff that he grew up with that you not wouldn't have hear, heard of, and he can get anything he wants. He can literally get anything he wants. 
You're you're almost making it sound like you're you're not putting the uh, the the credibility there. With I mean, obviously Tarantino has earned his place to be able to do that. Yes, he has but, more artistic license because. But what you're saying is it doesn't necessarily have to be good. People are just going to buy into it. That's kind of the oh, way, that's kind of the way it. that that's kind mm. of the way that sounded. Well, um, I mean, maybe he doesn't have to be. Yeah, sure. But mm-hmm. are are you saying that it's not? Are you telling me that everyone watched the trailers to Hateful Eight and thought, oh, that looks like a fantastic film? No. In fact, I didn't watch that film because I didn't get excited about it. A lot of people, it's Tarantino, one saw it. They, a lot of people didn't like it. You know, a lot of people don't like the Kill Bill movies. I like them. Oh, but they're yes. not for everybody. I mean, it, you know, he, 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 he's a whole, he's a, He's well, a he, whole other thing, he, and he's I, known, I would. He's known I, for his great dialogue. I would scenes, compare him but... to, to to Spielberg or Scorsese, but I can't because he's really he stands aside from okay, even yeah, those guys. But I wasn't I wasn't talking about him in a, a director sense. I'm what what I'm saying in is his music. Pe- yeah, people know him as being like a great writer of dialogue scenes, which is true. But I also think of the music in his movies, and I credit him with those choices. And that's one of the reasons why I like his films, is his choice in the yeah. songs, in the timing, in the... The songs he uses, I mean, the dance scene with Uma Thurman and um, John Travolta is... He, he he does, like, little music videos in his... You know, he'll, he'll start a yeah. scene with a song, and it gets you excited, like, oh, something cool is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's going to either be bloody, or it's going to be just kind of cool. Definitely sets a scene with yeah. it, for sure. And in, in Reservoir Dogs, the whole movie is scored by a uh, disc jockey, a 70s-style disc jockey spinning different 70s-style songs that you hear over the top the whole time. Like, it'll cut between a scene, you'll just hear a guy go, okay, that was uh, Slimmigan Jenkins with her song Clickety-Clack. Next up, we got Plickety-Plickety-Boo with Simanamanamana. Uh, I have to hear that. And I'm... he just puts it on and it's like, hey, you got it now. <clears throat> you know, it's just one of those kind of things. And, and it goes into, you know, cutting off someone's ear or something. And it, it gets you excited about the next scene. It's it's almost like a transitional device. I haven't device. watched that in a while, so I don't remember yeah. that. But, but it does sound kind of familiar. Okay, so <laughs> I said I wanted to get back to Greece. And what... <laughs> I wanted to see what you thought. Listen, there's a reason. Yes. I wanted to see what you thought about. Let's get the, back to Greece. About the recent live my TV wheels. versions of these musicals, Greece, The Wiz, Rent. Have you seen this? Where they're redoing them live? They're doing. They, they did. This they, was a couple they, years ago. They did Greece. Um, they did Gre- They did a televised remake of Greece. And they did it live. They performed and sang it live. What? No, I know they did like Sound of Music. They no, 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 that was a, that was a film. Mary Poppin. No, that was a film. This is live performance. They did so like a, a theatrical. Yes. So it's not like the movie. I mean, they the sets it's the were, stage it was, version. It was the stage version. Okay, well that's different. But it was done that's live. Mm. Isn't that? I mean, is that weird? No. Be- I mean, because I, you buy a ticket for to go see Greece. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I I I wasn't really a big fan of Greece, but I watched that because I was curious how that how that would pull off live i've never seen it anyway i just i didn't know if you had been paying attention to those yeah well i mean that's um i don't have an opinion on that i mean if they're going to do a televised theatrical 
it's not a theatrical version because they do grease in theaters across America all you know every year all year long and they do you know if they're going to do a that like you know Hamilton you know if they're going to do that and and they are doing that they they Hamilton is coming to a screen, big screen near you uh soon enough and that thank god because it's fa- it's a fantastic musical and it's all hip hop musical and i love the soundtrack and i've never seen it and i can't see it unless i pay an arm and a leg and i would rather go to the theater and see it up close with the actors see their faces I rather know. than sitting back and watching it because I, I i'm just not a big theater you know traditional theater goer as much i do it now and then but i prefer film as my medium because i am closer to I, i'll 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 come bring it down to this why do i love film because it is the ultimate art form it incorporates every form of art into one you have poetry, you have the writing, you have visual, you have photography, you have performance, you have movement, you have color, you have palette, you have music, music, of course, music in music in the dialogue, how snappy it's going to be, um, music in the sound effects, music in the score, music in the song choices, comedy, com. I mean, well, that's yes, your genre, but um, that medium to well, me is the best medium of art because it is the fullest expression of all combined into one. However, it is not one that the audience gets to enjoy with the makers. With the creator. With the creators, which that is the departure that brings stage things to the forefront for a lot of people. Right, the creator doesn't get the opportunity to get that feedback and and to... Feel that in the yeah, moment. when I'm on stage and I'm doing a show um, versus doing a film, it's it's the immediacy is is so much more fun because on a film set, you, you don't the energy you have no more. idea you have no idea how well you're doing really, and if the director doesn't like to say much to you, you'll you'll might have a miserable experience. It's a lot of standing around waiting. You got people crew that are not really wanting to be there, you know they're wanting to go home too, um, you know holding stuff up and everything. And you do a scene and you're kind of like. You kind of have to really trust yourself a lot more. But when you're on stage, even if you're doing a scene and no one, it's there's no comedy, everyone's quiet and everything, and that fourth wall is up, you know, that wall is up. But I'm aware, we're always aware that those people are out there watching us. And we can feel that energy. Now, if you're studying something like, now this is getting into techniques, but Meisner, like, or method acting of some kind if you know that fourth wall is there then you are doing it wrong fine whatever if that's your thing great but you feel that energy coming from them and it does inform your work somehow you know that you are doing a far better performance just having them silently out there you feel an acceptance from them suddenly you walk out there they don't know from you from Adam, but your first lines, you open up and you just feel them embrace you somehow. I, I don't really, it's an, it's just an energy because you are sharing in this art with well, them. I mean, I get it from the music side. Yeah. So when you're, you're yeah. So when you're up there, you know, playing guitar and you just, you know, it, 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 you just, you feel it, you can feel the acceptance. Yeah. It's performance art versus other, you know? Yeah. 
an artist doesn't get to stand next to his painting all the time. Yeah, it's interesting that you don't really get that reward right away. And I mean, even if, I don't know, when you get to a screening, I guess. I mean, how do you feel when you go out uh, with with the guitar and, you know, the band and you come out there? When do you feel like they embrace you? Or do you ever, have you ever felt like they're not embracing me? Yeah, (laughs) we've all had those moments, but, you know, it's, it's good because you can get feedback. You know, if you're doing a scene, you're not going to get a reaction until the the scene is over, Mm -hmm. right? And then if people enjoyed the whole scene, you get some applause maybe. Um, But it's in a theater, there's like this etiquette of being quiet in a, in a concert you want people to enjoy themselves the whole time. So unless you're talking to the crowd in between songs, you want interaction the whole song. So if there's a guitar solo, you're going to get some reaction. Hopefully if there's like a really awesome, like vocal piece, you're going to get some reaction. If you uh, slide across the stage on your knees, you hope to get a reaction. You know, you're getting that feedback throughout the performance, not just at the end. So, and then also you're, you're, actually making eye contact with people you know you're talking about a fourth wall mm-hmm. or the concert mm-hmm. you're in their face yeah you're really you know there. and and it's like it's you're like looking at people and you know that is something you want to do is make eye contact you want people you want them to know that you know they're there and you appreciate them and you're having fun together mm. so it's it's sort of like they're part of it too yeah. not that they're just observing it yeah. So, and then of course you, of course you want crowd interaction. So you may, uh, especially if you get to a big stage and you got a big crowd, and a big following, then you want to get them to interact and, uh, throw their fists in the air and, you know, uh, it's, you know, chant something with you or, or whatever. So it's, it's a really different because you get that feedback immediately and you ask for it. <laughs> Sometimes mm-hmm. you directly say, Hey, um, you know, or you can say, you know, we've all been to shows where people are uh, burning their lighters or holding their cell phone lights up. And, you know, sometimes they do that automatically, but bands are not afraid to tell people it's that time. Get them out. Hold them up. Yeah. Side note, I don't see many lighters anymore. It's all phones. Yeah, it's all phones now. Yeah, it's all phones. So It's all phones with an, a lighter app. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, okay, so you didn't really see those live musicals. What? How do you feel about... <laughs> What, what are you laughing about? Uh, go ahead. Right. This is a beautiful segue. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel? It's gorgeous. Uh, how do you feel about the that newest Les Miserables? And, and the reason <laughs> the, the reason I bring this up this is a, this is important musical thing. I, know. I don't know why you're laughing at this. <laughs> this this was a live audio capture on film, which doesn't happen. I'm trying. Okay. Okay. All right, go ahead. Ask me. <laughs> I just wasn't expecting that. Uh-huh. It's relevant to everything. It is very, about. very relevant. You're, you're so right. You're this, very smart this, to bring this, it up. This is a they film. They did it very differently. Yes. This is a film that that was made. <laughs> wasn't expected. With live. It was a musical that so was the first made. time you saw Fraggle Rock. I'm not <laughs> just random. Okay, go. I'm go. Okay. The newest Les Miserables yes. was filmed capturing live audio performances. Mm-hmm. That's not been done before, as far as we know. Mm-hmm. 
which made the um it made the performances really unique made the soundtrack suffer in recording no did they go back and record that separately no they just took it from the film and okay. you can tell okay so that's going to be because they're acting and they're not standing in front of a mic right but they're also that's also going to be kind of weird without the visual because they you know there's not really like a set tempo going they're kind of feeling the, mm-hmm. the dialogue so so do you like that they did that I love it. Of course, I didn't listen to the soundtrack, so I may have thought the soundtrack was, but was bad. But I loved that they did it. You I, suffered through the film. You didn't like the film. I love the film. I liked the film. I am partial to the Liam Neeson version of that film. <laughs> well, oh, the the straight one, without the mu- without the songs. Yeah, the non musical one. Yeah, I've never yes. seen it. Never seen it. It's no. fantastic, and and in fact, that's the that was my first uh, Liam Neeson film. And one of the reasons why I've liked him since it's a great film, but anyway, there's a particular set of skills. Yes, um, he uses some. some I well, it, I I I'd never. The first time I I have a. I, I love that they did it live. I have a that was I, awesome. I have a I have a funny story when it comes to Les Mis. If we have time, if you want to hear it, but um, um. I had, I had seen the show, and of course I was very familiar with it. And this goes back to like Rent as well. Um, being around a lot of theater people, uh, you you kind of pick up on what the what the stories are because they talk about them a lot. These these even if you hadn't these seen milestones. Them. Oh yeah, of course they talk about them all the time. They're singing the songs and everything at parties and stuff. They know them all by heart. And um, oh my gosh, you hadn't seen this. You haven't seen that. Um, you know. And uh, so the first time I'd seen knew the story of Rent was really the film, and I fell in love with it. Um, and then I saw the stage version. Now, Les Mis, I've seen at T-Pac, Nosebleed, when I was, um, in middle school. No, high, freshman high school. Um. I've never seen it live. Yeah, well, the girl across the street had a big, big crush on. Huge, huge crush on. Oh, my God. A devastating crush on. Which, uh, and don't tell me the street, but which house are you talking about? The same house with the above the garage where okay. they, they fed me at night. I don't think uh, I ever. Yeah, uh, Lisa. I can say her name. She. I'm not gonna use her last name, but she would know. But, but anyway. Um. I don't. I mean, I remember, but I don't. Yeah, I kept I don't her remember, picture in my drawer. I don't remember. Can you edit that out? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember I, the across the street part. Well, I went over there and they were getting all dressed up, and they said, "Oh, we got a spare ticket." And oh, okay. And where were you going? Lame is. What's that? the restaurant and uh, we go <laughs> in Italian. It and sounds terrible. It sounds yeah, miserable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um we <laughs> we go um we we go down there and um my crush, the reason why there was a spare ticket is because she had just got dumped and she's talking about why are there no guys out there? There's no guys out there. And I'm sitting right there and I'm just like smiling away wish i could say something and we go see the show and we're sitting in the back and they're all with the the they know all the songs they're singing them all together and they have a pair of binoculars and they're watching the show and they're passing it to me and to each other and everything and they pass it over to me and a pool in each one of her tears cried for ex-boyfriend splash onto my face and then her hand goes on my shoulder and i pull down the and look over at her and she goes oh it's getting you too you're so sensitive 
and <laughs> I never had a card with her again. But that was my <laughs> that's my story. Wow. And I and I look I was like, yeah, it's just um it's it's so sad. And I had no idea what was going yeah. on stage. Did, I had you, no idea the story. That... I couldn't tell what tell you today. I have no idea what was going on. You but, didn't tell her that those were tears for her boyfriend? Yeah. Her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. I'm crying for you. Uh, but when I saw the film, I liked it. I liked it a lot, and their approach at using uh, them to sing live. I mean, it's it's like one that I feel like I would make. It's very rational. I mean, it's incredibly hard to do that and mic that right and get. I guess, but now we have the tech. You know, we well, have the capabilities. Had to, they had to play it in through in ears. Like yeah. they had just a simple piano track going. Right. Well, I mean, live. what I'm saying is picking so, up there picking up because they're moving all over the set right well the, the, you know, the thing um, is when i heard of the concept i was like well why weren't we doing this before like this makes yeah. the most sense ever yeah i don't think that we really had the ability to yeah um i mean because they but, but here's been, the thing took it a lot worked, of money to do that. everybody i think agrees that it worked really well but i don't think it's been done again because it, it was probably a bitch to do I mean, I imagine it was hard as hell. I mean, it's hard in the set alone. But, I mean, it got so much flack. Because Anne Hathaway, I absolutely fell in love with in that movie. And everyone says she got won the Oscar, Oscar. For, yeah. uh, for a song. You know, because that song is really her monologue. And I'm like, yeah, screw that... you people, Academy. Why are you going to say that about her? And that has plagued her ever since. Because I mean that that's basically that, that a monologue. Was a, that was a performance, not yeah. just musical. Yeah, it it's was... a, it's basically a monologue. And if you had one part of a character not singing a song and going up there and doing this monologue about something, and you would give him an Oscar and say, "Oh yeah," because you know he talked about his da 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 da, but or hers or you know whatever, yeah. But um, oh, I asked your answered your question <laughs> regarding oh, yeah, that I was, film. I, I was just wondering what your thoughts are. Yeah, me. yeah, that was uh, God, that was. That's been. It has been a while. It's they been haven't a while. gone back and done that. And but, um, Hugh Jackman's performance was great. Now I have some friends that would just slander it. Like I have a buddy that he would just, you know, talk about. Oh well, he he went up in this octave at this point, and he did this. I didn't like that he chose this. You know, I talk about Hugh Jackman or the different stuff for the different actors and different things like that. Hugh Jackman's and, got skills. He, oh, he's got. He's he's, he's the now, full. Now Russell Crowe wasn't man. the best singer. No, but but no, not at all. But yeah. Hugh Jackman is awesome, man. He's a huge Jackman, and um, but they would just really get into like the intricacies of who was playing who and what notes they were using and how they sang a certain thing and if someone was a little pitchy or a little flat here, and that goes into the performance. So musical theater is some of the most scrutinized over thing by some by fans. It that it, it just blows my mind and scares me to death so i don't really well, do you, musical theater that get, often get that in in you know in music as well but yeah i i guess because you got all these different elements working in a musical especially i'm not really a fan of musicals generally but i try to i, I guess I'm really either but i'm, I'm really not a fan of like the more classic ones but yeah. i'm always open to kind of checking it out if it's new if if there's some like if i saw a trailer and i was like oh that sounds like an interesting idea i would be open to it. I'm not, it's not the the music in the movie or in the play that bothers me it's um i think some of the more traditional ones that just never i could never connect with I cats or rent or oh the new cats is looks it, it's scary 
It looks really weird. It looks well, really scary it. looking. It's like a fever dream. But I mean, uh, with you know, no, maybe mu- this is good. And no, with with musicals, I guess because like, like my father doesn't like musicals, um, and I know people who just who just don't. You know, they'd rather them speak. And there's a difference. There's different kinds of musicals. There's um, there's musicals where people stop to sing about one emotion, or they are actually singing their dialogue. You know, and sometimes it annoys people because the movie kind of pauses where someone's gonna just stop and sing about this guy is coming to pick her up for a date. You know, rather than singing about being on the date while she's on the date. You know, you know those are two different things. But say, take something like La La Land. Didn't, I didn't see that. Oh God! See, but I, I mean, love La La Land, and it's a musical, it. but it's not traditional. It's different. It's different ways. But then, if you look at something like Whiplash, is, oh, you've not seen Whiplash? Uh, you oh, about drumming and everything? Oh God! Uh, okay, well, we're gonna have a talk. Okay. But um, <laughs> no, but yeah, there's there's some that are just you know, I would consider like Dirty Dancing a musical. I would consider, yeah. um, like Grease is definitely a musical. There's there's movies that you would not say, like that that some people say I don't like musicals. Well, he, that they would he, that they, they do funny? actually they just don't like t- certain types. People some people will say they don't like musicals, but they enjoy Disney films, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they enjoy something like Family Guy, which is mm-hmm. basically a musical. Mm-hmm. It's comedy, mm-hmm. but there's song and dance, just littered throughout. That guy's very talented. Yes, well, he he's musical. And yeah, he's got, yeah. But you know, it's where where we're going um, with music uh, in film, uh, Junkie XL, um, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, Daft um, Daft Punk. It's very interesting, but we're losing a little bit of something. Junkie XL. Help, uh, helped out uh, Trent Reznor and did um, uh, After Social Network, did Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and then uh, split off from him and did the more recent Alita Battle Angel, which I love and has a very small um, audience. Not everybody even saw it. Is that is um, that the one that's got the girl in her eyes? Or a yeah, bit that's large? what everybody, okay. that's how everyone I, asks me. I, I just, I'm trying <laughs> to remember, but I remember the poster yeah. and I think I saw the trailer and thought, well, that sounds interesting. And they talked about in the reviews before I saw it, how great the score was. And I went into the film open-minded. Is it all like DJ stuff? I, I think the film is great in a lot of ways and it fails in a lot of ways. And one way is that the score just did not, wasn't really there. Uh, in in the way that I thought it was going to impress me, there's moments with Trent Reznor's and Social Network that you really feel his influence. You really feel him there. He do, creates these tones and you, melodies that are just great. Do you think we're on this trajectory where scores are going to be more like dubstep and DJ? Just and a like, guy in the basement instead right. of an orchestra. Yeah. Do you think that's kind of the yeah, direction it's going? But I think that also we're combining a lot of things and we're just, it's just the, it's just the nature of the beast that we're, we're branching out and that well, people want to branch out and that's great. They it's probably try new cheaper things. too, to hire somebody, oh, even, even somebody of Trent Reznor's caliber, be like, Hey, oh, well, and Disney's been doing this for a while too, you know? Yeah. But he get, can ask for as get, much they, as an orchestra would cost. Yes. But they only have to deal with the one guy, and he just does it all. And then, well, they still do. They still he doesn't do have to ask guy. for as much because he's going to keep all of it because he's doing it himself. Well, it's, it's a little different. But I mean, 
he's still going to ask for, I mean, the, it's still the one guy. I mean, when James Horner is recording something, the director speaks with him. It's not like the celloist gets up and says, oh, I think it would be better if my part yeah, but, went like this. No, 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 no. But you have to pay the celloist. Trent Reznor is going to make that stuff on his computer. Mm. He's not going to pay anybody else. Mm. That's my point. Yeah. He's he's getting to put that money, all of it, in his pocket. Like Daft Punk's um, soundtrack. Did, did you hear the Tron Legacy soundtrack? I did not see that film either. Oh, well, I mean, this, the soundtrack is just, it's awesome. It, and, um, I mean, it's it's very, very different. It's not techno. You know, if you had these on CDs, you could leave them with me and I could check them out. Mm. Well, I'm sorry I didn't come prepared, Chris. <laughs> I can I can send you. We're both on Apple Music missed, now, so yes. I can send you some. You know, stuff. you you can actually now that you, I'll, you I'll, can share. And I'll make a playlist. Can, yeah, send me the playlist. Yeah. No, but don't that's you, basically what don't soundtracks you miss have become today. Though, where we could playlists. we we could we could swap out CDs and and like. Um, yeah. Like, every hey, time we got together, every time we got together, we'd have like burnt CDs of crap. Well, even before even before. The burning, so we would we would just trade for a while and, and just check stuff out and swap mm-hmm. back and forth, and um, it used like to be it and, used uh, to be like an exciting thing, and now it's like eh, I'll hit the share button and send it to you. Well, that's check it out that's that's time. my point when it comes to Spotify and Apple Music and all of these um, things that you can have the immediacy of everything at your at all everyone's everything their whole discography of every song of everything ever made anywhere at your fingertips at any time and you can even share it over to friends and you can make your own playlists and everything i feel that you don't become as invested in an album doing it that way than so it's it's awesome the because of the access but you're saying it's it's less valued yeah it's less valued it's, exactly. it's always there yeah well like um Okay, uh, Metallica's most recent album, um, never the hell, what was it called? Um, I don't. Hardwired and something. Oh, okay. See, now I honestly was thinking about the one before it. Um, <laughs> if I had just that one was only twelve years ago. The one before. Yeah. If if I if I had just um, see that's what's sad. Like Metallica, I would go and I would either order or I would get their physical CD. Now I have a car that doesn't even have a CD player in it. And this thought is just coming to me. Like, okay, so the next big album that I really is important to me by my favorite band, like say it's 311, Metallica, um, that I really want to hear, I just go into Apple Music and for free because I'm paying for it. You know, I can I can download it. I can just my phone or whatever. But it's not going to have the value because like the most recent hardwired Metallica album I got the actual physical album from you yeah and I put it in my car and I had that thing playing on repeat till you got your new car no (laughs) I'm saying you can't use it now yeah I can't use it now yeah it's still (laughs) in the old car no uh it it got it got crushed but no uh yeah did you really lose it with the car no I didn't I still have it um but see, that's the thing. I didn't really care for it until I just kept, until one day I was driving and just realized, like, I really fucking like this. Like, I really like, you know, I just, it just really, it occurred to me. And I would not have had that investment if I had just had all of my, say, iTunes playing at shuffle at all times. Or if I had just listened to that album. Because if if I'm going to get, if you suggest to me, okay, on your show you talked about Slipknot. 
Yeah. This new album, you talked about Tool's new album. Right. And so you're saying if, if I had given you those on CD, well, you, give... you, you might have enjoyed them more? No. I, I... <laughs> yes. Yes. You... Yeah, no, if I had a CD player in my car. <laughs> yes. Because just like my dad, like my people probably feel about uh, records and LPs. You would get together and you would sit and you would listen and, and hang out with your buddies and you would just listen to a, a record together. You know, you don't really do that anymore. People take their phones and they'll just put it on a dock and they'll play something on shuffle and be like, what's that? Oh, what's that? You know, and they'll, they'll have opinions, but it's not really an investment like you do when you sit down with an LP yeah. or something. Yeah, people don't appreciate yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. when I listened to the Slipknot, I listened to the Tool. I had reverse opinion than you did. I preferred the Tool, uh, but I had never listened to Slipknot, so it's not really fair. Um, I felt that slip, the, the Tool album didn't show me anything new that they hadn't done before, but I already liked Tool. Slipknot, I never had an opinion on much at all, and your podcast was so good that it made me want to listen to it, and awesome. I did, and I really did like Spiders a lot, um, and it was Controlled Chaos, but I had never heard them before, so there's great gym music, you know, but um, Tool was the... And it's nothing really new now. And I just, I, tried to, I moved on. I was listening to Tool while I was running. I'm, and, and it, it, it slowed it, you down. It, no, it didn't just slow me down, but I was like, you know, when you're running, you want to feel like you're making progress. And so like, you can look around you and see like where you are. Cause I'm running outside. Well, that's, and you just it, explained it, the band. You know, <laughs> I was running away from the songs. No, no, you want to feel like it's making progress and it's going to yeah, get somewhere, exactly. but it doesn't. But it doesn't. <laughs> okay. That, that's, that's what I meant, but not what I meant. Um, no. <laughs> I know a solo is coming somewhere. They're going to No. Okay. <laughs> well, my, my point is, is even if I feel like another drum like solo physically, I'm not moving very far. If I'm getting through some songs, I feel like I'm, I'm going somewhere mm -hmm. and their songs are 14 minutes long on this album, but there's only like four minutes of good music. Mm -hmm. in that 14 mm -hmm. and so like i'm i'm going like several streets down and i'm like okay finally like i'm digging this part and like right right when it starts to like get big and the band is really kicking in and i'm waiting for the vocals to just punch it and then he he just he lays out and just lets the band play and i'm like okay so you're letting the band have this cool moment but that was your time to shine and you just laid out like, yeah, they like, do that. Why a lot. did you wuss out yeah, right there? They do that a lot. That... They they build and build and build and build and just build up to a dun 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 dun. No, <laughs> well, several times the band would just start rocking hard, and I was mm -hmm. waiting for just a wailing vocal, and mm -hmm. he would just lay out completely. And I'm like, yeah, you built up, and then you just the the vocals dropped out. The band kept going, and I'm like, well, what my point was that if you if 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 I had listened to those albums. Like say, uh, you know, it's it's an hour plus back to my house from here. If I listened to that album all the way back, I'd be more invested in it. You know, or kept it in my car for a few days. You know, I would get more out of it than going to the gym, listening to it all the way through, and being like, mm, I might revisit that, but I got my other stuff. You lose it. So, and I think in that way, well, there could be an argument. Albums too. are suffering. Uh, car listening to gym are... listening it, there's a very true true there, but so. true but they're the uh, that's artists are losing in the way that they were losing with napster 
similarly. I mean, they're making money, but kind kind of. I mean, that's getting better, but it's yeah. it's a slow. I mean, honestly, did 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 Blars get anywhere with that? Because didn't we kind of end up with what he was kind of fighting against no. in a way? No, everybody's paying. For stuff they're now. paying for these services, but they're not buying albums. No, but what happens is, so many streams becomes what they call an album equivalent. Oh, really? Yeah. It's well, as far so as so, it's, it's 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 when they can't pretty work, much the same thing as streaming Netflix. I don't know how that works on the movie side. It's the it's the similar algorithm. Um, it's it's calculates the many amount of times that it streams. I actually don't know how that works either. Not but, many people do. But, but as far as <laughs> if they if they are saying like we have so many sales of an album, mm-hmm. they count so many streams to count as an equivalent album. So they will now say when you read that it'll say equivalent albums, and what they mean is they're including the streams. Um, and I don't know what number of streams, and I think that's changed over time, but the pay on the streams is still less, but it's getting better. There's a lot of fight on that end. So there's, there's progress to be made, but I think they have, uh, started working in that direction, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. But by the way, are you going to uh, like break our episode into two or how long have we, (laughs) no, we, we're an hour and a half. We're, we're fine. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm surprised it's hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, no, covered a lot of ground. We did. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we can. We can Some people do, you know, when they have a very special guest on, they they break it into two. I oh. mean, I'm not saying I'm special. I'm just saying that well, it might be something you want to do. We. 